This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome everybody. It is the Thursday edition. It's February 1st already, February 1st, 2024. It's Talk Back brought to you by Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. For pricing and availability, the storage unit you want, call 406 510 0590. Or at Y West, they're making room for you. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, residential and commercial cleaning. And, of course, uh, no job is too big or small. And your satisfaction is guaranteed by calling 406-260-6617. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold, Gomer's has everything you need to make sure your rig starts every single time, no matter how cold it might get. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts at Palmer and West Broadway. And also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where their mission remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, good to have you along, everybody. It is Open Phones on TalkBack. It's 721-1290, and for actually for 90 full minutes, then we have a special guest coming in from Community Medical Center uh, from 930 until 10. But that is Mr. Nick Christensen right across the way. Good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. Hey. So, uh, what's going on out there this morning, ladies and gentlemen? What's on your mind? Uh, the phone lines are open at 721 or 1-800-568-5309. We had a pretty spirited discussion yesterday about bridges. And uh, the folks from uh, all three county commissioners were here. Um, unfortunately, we left a couple of, of, of callers uh, unable to uh, take their calls yesterday because it ran out of time. If you want to talk about that, that's great. Uh, we learned a lot. I know I learned a lot uh, about what's going on with the bridges around western Montana, actually around all of Montana, and why uh, so many of them are beginning to fail. And uh, I think part of that problem is, uh, according to uh, to the, the chief engineer uh, for Missoula County, he was on yesterday, and he said, you know what, uh, we have failed to uh, invest in infrastructure uh, in, you know, Eric Dixon, over national, state, and, and community, and county, right, right down to the county level, we just haven't been able to invest in the infrastructure, and that's why... Things like bridges, which require a great deal of, uh, of uh, maintenance and sometimes repair, they're failing now. A couple of them are, are, are actually closed. The Boy Scout Bridge and, of course, the McClay Bridge, uh, they're both closed right now. So anyway, uh, and, uh, and when you look at the costs of trying to fix those bridges, they're in the millions of dollars. And so <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not sure where that money's supposed to come from. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, you can't can't neglect those things over time and then expect to magically wave a wand and, and fix it when it gets really, really bad. It's it's all about upkeep. Yeah, and, and of course, there, there were folks yesterday saying, well, what about all the taxes we're paying? Well, all the taxes we're paying are going to a lot of other things. There, there, there are niches, if you will, where all that tax money goes, and uh, some of it goes to infrastructure, but obviously not enough. So... Anyway, so uh, we can talk about that if you'd like. Uh, we can talk about the recent poll that just came out that has, and I, I just, yeah, 
was nonplussed by this. Uh, the Quinnipiac poll, Quinnipiac, yeah, Quinnipiac poll, uh, was out yesterday, and it it shows that <laughs> President Joe Biden holds a lead over Donald Trump by 50 to 44 percent among registered voters in a hypothetical general election matchup. That's according to Quinnipiac uh, University. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so that is uh, a little scary. I don't know if that's scary for you or if you think that's a great, if that's great, or if you think that's not great. Give us a call, 721-1290. Let's get Vic on the line. Vic, good morning. It is open phone, sir. What's on your mind? Good morning, Pretty. Well, when you're talking about McClay Bridge, and this is just, you know, you can, you got better memories than me, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so a few years ago and stuff, wasn't there like a proposal to put the bridge in a different place, like at the end of South or something? Yes, yes. And, and the, I don't remember what happened. You know, you might remember. I don't remember what happened to that. Well, I will, I, I, I will tell you. I, I will tell you. It is uh, the proposal which uh, had to go through the state of Montana, which in turn requires federal help and funding, uh, was to have a multi-million dollar bridge at the end of South Avenue that would eventually replace McClay Bridge. But there was so much protest by the folks who live in the area of McClay Bridge, they want to keep well, the bridge. They put that on hold, and supposedly it's in the works for 2026, which is still two oh, years okay. away. So right, yeah. right, right, right now we don't have a bridge going over uh, that part right, of, yeah. of the Bitterroot River, well, so there you go. I'm sure you've seen it before on the highways where basically they had to build another bridge so people could get by while they... Did the other bridge? <laughs> well, that, that 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 actually happened is happening right now at the Boy Scout Bridge in Sealy Lake. Okay, uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, the Boy Scout Bridge. Uh, what they were going to use, uh, they were going to use the bridge itself as as, as a staging ground to try to uh, rebuild the bridge partially as as they went, but it was so. Something about two it's it's too weak to hold all the construction right, equipment. Yeah, so yeah. now they have to build a temporary bridge to hold the construction equipment, so they can build <laughs> the new bridge, which is going to cost millions and millions of dollars oh, yeah. more. And, and take some and take some time with our great summers. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway. Okay, that's it. I, I was just curious well, of that one. So well, Vic, thank right, Nick. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you Bye. for the call. We appreciate it. We're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. What is on your mind this morning? We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back after this timeout. Dennis Bragg with the updated forecast in the Town Square Weather Center. Drier air should help with the fog Thursday, although we still could see some areas of dense freezing fog early. Then increasing clouds through the day with highs 40 to 45, depending on lingering fog in the valleys. A slight chance of rain and snow showers developing Thursday night into Friday, although with temperatures in the 40s, that will likely be rain on Friday. More rain Friday night into Saturday with the snow levels above four to 5,000 feet. Possible freezing rain at times into Sunday. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Talkback on this Thursday. We have open phones all the way till 9.30 this morning, and then we'll have a special guest from Community Medical Center uh, joining us at that time. But we do have a caller on the line. I believe it's Larry. Larry, good morning. You're on Talkback, sir. What's on your mind? Good morning. Uh, we've been talking about bridges, and uh, my uh, broken record, again, is... If money were distributed back to these other taxing jurisdictions instead of being put into these MRA districts, the county would have had money to put into those bridges a long time ago. And uh, 
we've the county has created another TIF district out by the Y, which is a lot of industrial tax base. And uh, again, if those they would look at that and uh, sunset some of these districts, they would have more money to put into that. Then it would be up to the county commissioners and the city council to devote that money to infrastructure instead of buying Marshall Mountain and some of these other places um, to recreate and uh, put it into what needs to be done. And uh, I know when I was county commissioner back in 2006 and seven, uh, I think we supported the new bridge out there, but it uh, still, the bureaucracy grinds slow and it takes a long time to build up these uh, matches to uh, support things like that. So. That's my broken record. Well, no, well, get no, off the phone now. No, no, Larry, Larry, I'm I'm very interested in in your time as county commissioner. I was I was around back then, and uh, yeah. so 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 what but what things have in your view what things have significantly changed here in Missoula uh, from when you were uh, in office? I think uh, we've gone more to um, the recreation type you know we built the big uh, regional park out uh, in target range and we've uh, purchased uh, a lot of open space conservation bonds but uh, that's all good and uh, but we still need to put money into infrastructure and uh, the public works director shane stack uh, said uh, Yep, that's the problem and it's been the problem and continues to be we have to uh, get the money to make up for these uh, local matches that are required so the feds and the state can kick in their money and that just isn't being done for a lot of these projects and uh, most people don't under understand that but uh, now the the uh, chickens have come home to roost here so to speak so, uh, yeah i hear you i i but hopefully I th- we don't get too many of them on the boy scout bridge otherwise it'll Collapse. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's interesting too. Uh, in in the conversations we've had recently with the county commissioners and and the city council, uh, n- noting that the way funding in Missoula, uh, especially Missoula County and specifically the city, has uh, drawn from uh, 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 industrial uh, places like you know uh, sawmills, things like that. Uh, all the way down to the uh, individual property owner. Uh, residential right. property taxes are, are the ones carrying the load. And y- you you watch this happening and you realize it, it's a lot of economic forces, uh, things forced to happen. Nobody really wanted that to happen. But now this this is where we are right now. And it, it, there's probably no way to turn back the clock and bring some of those uh, those industries back into Missoula to to help fortify the tax base. No, the employers now uh, can work remotely. They don't require the infrastructure that uh, businesses did when you were uh, making things and manufacturing things. So that, uh, that's gone by the wayside and will continue. And it's one of those unintended consequences of you shut down the, the industries and uh, pretty soon there goes your tax base and then you put them into an MRA district and all that money siphoned to go into these projects that benefit one or two uh, companies or individuals, but then you extend them with a bond issue and uh, that's uh, 
of that Scott Street project, is that in an MRA district and all that bond issue that they're, the MRA is putting up, uh, will that extend that district as well? Uh, again, that's, uh, some of these go on for 40 years. We'll never see the, the money go back to the taxpayers because they keep extending these MRA districts with bond issues. So um, even Maynan Ellenson uh, agreed that that was uh, not what they intended when uh, those were started. So, well, Larry, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for uh, the okay. the benefit of your of your wisdom. We appreciate it. It's all it. You know, you get what you pay for, so that's free <laughs> advice. So. All right, <laughs> Larry, <laughs> thanks for thanks for the call. We're we're up against a break. We're going to come right back and talk with Kevin when we come back. Several other phone lines are open. It is open phones for almost an hour and ten minutes from now. Uh, when we be visiting with the folks from Community Medical Center, and so we'll be right back. Take your calls right after this. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by common ground alliance hey we're back on talk back 721 is our number and kevin has been waiting very patiently through the break kevin good morning what's on your mind this morning sir well good morning i was also one of those callers waiting since yesterday too so. okay <laughs> hey so larry touched on what i was going to talk about yesterday it's basically you know the mra um, they're taking money from one funds and and using it on their behalf. Um, nobody's take uh, is taking responsibility and nobody's being held accountable. You know, in the last ten years or fifteen years that Karis Park has been re done down there, and everybody's out to lunch. I wonder how many of those people that are enjoying the out to lunch and the facilities down there that they just went and redid, and they live up there, O'Brien Creek and Big Flats and Blue Mountain Road. Now the pipers, everything's come around now, now it's time to pay the piper. They've had a time clock put on that McClay's Bridge for years, mm -hmm. and everybody's been hoo-hawing about it and taking their time. Meanwhile, since they've had that issue with, Big, uh, with McClay's Bridge, they went and did the soccer field out there. Okay, how many of those people now that go out there and their kids go play on the soccer field, now they're cut off, they have to go the long way around. It's a lot of people need to uh, stop and say, hey, wait a minute, what's more important here? I think what they need to do is take that old footbridge over Reserve Street and uh, pull it off, take it over there, lay it next to McClay's Bridge and use it for people to walk across or maybe you can modify it for the time being. Or maybe, what about the Army of Corps? Uh, don't they have a... The Army a Corps of Engineers, yeah. span over McClay's Bridge? 
um, to come in there and do that and set it up temporarily until they get this thing redone or figured out. Well, you have to understand, I mean, Kevin. You have to understand something, Kevin. Uh, when when you that is not something that any community or county or even state can make unilaterally. There are lots and lots of different agencies involved. Whenever it comes to bridges, it's it, it's a federal, it's a state matter, and and you can't just say, you know, I think we'll just move this over here temporarily until we can get this done. That is simply something that cannot and does not happen uh, in in our world right now. I, th- there are lots oh, of, okay. of steps that have to be taken uh, legally because there is li- there are liability issues, there are safety issues, all sorts of things that uh, unintended consequences can come from poor planning okay so so this is one of my questions i was going to ask yesterday but unfortunately i could worst case scenario terrace takes out that bridge what's the backup plan okay let's say let's say what's what's the backup plan if, if a terrorist comes in or some blows up the bridge or we're at war and somebody takes out that bridge what's the plan what's the backup plan so the thing about it is that everybody's, you know, I mean, what are we going to do? Go get some containers from down in Texas uh, that they're using against the border and bring those and put those side by side for so people can cross the river. I mean, there's got to be, there's supposed to be a plan. We, we hire these people to do their job. They're not doing their job. There's a lot of people who are cut off now and, if, and God, God forbid, you know, like first responders, there's going to, somebody's going to lose their life because they couldn't get the, to them in time. You know, we can't be deliver, uh, rely on a <clears throat> uh, life flight to get fly in there and get people out across the river and fly them, you know, to the other side. There's got to be a plan and unfortunately, I mean, the only plan I can see right now is left, unless you put up a toll bridge, toll, and start charging people to cross that bridge. But where's the money going to? The money's being siphoned, and it's not going into the infrastructure. And that's the most important. We've paid for those infrastructures, and the, the money's being displaced somewhere. Where do you think it's going? That's it. The, um, into Missoula City. I think a lot of it's being diverted and, and going into uh, other people's um, priorities that they feel it's a priority. That that bridge has been out there for a hundred years and it's had issues and they knew about this. They've known about it, but yet they go ahead and they kick the can down the road. And now the time, the time clock has run up, they close the bridge. And now, now the can's kicking down. They're kicking the can down the road. Nothing's being done. I just feel sorry for a lot of people that are displaced because of this situation, and a lot of businesses that can't, you know, like UPS or your postal carriers can't get over the bridge, or people that have, uh, you know, have propane or they're they're on oil to get to get their homes heated. They're going to be charged extra fees for them to be inconvenienced because they have to go the the other way around. A long way around, yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That 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 bridge is a lot more important than people give it credit for. Definitely, definitely. 
Well, Kevin, Definitely. thank yeah, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah, seven two one twelve ninety. You bet. You too. We're gonna come right back. What's on your mind this morning? Uh, it could be about bridges. It could be about anything. Uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Come right back. Phone lines are free and open. Uh, and by the way, if you're too busy to call, we do have the KGVO app. We would love to hear from you in that vein. You just download the app from the from the app store and hit the message us button, and we will pass that along to whoever our guest is uh, for that day, or we'll pass it along to everyone else so that's that's why we have the kgvo app so we're going to come right back again phone lines are open 721-1290 is our number we're coming back right after this Dennis Bragg with the updated forecast in the Town Square Weather Center. Drier air should help with the fog Thursday, although we still could see some areas of dense freezing fog early. Then increasing clouds through the day with highs 40 to 45, depending on lingering fog in the valleys. A slight chance of rain and snow showers developing Thursday night into Friday, although with temperatures in the 40s, that will likely be rain on Friday. More rain Friday night into Saturday with the snow levels above 4 to 5,000 feet. Possible freezing rain at times into Sunday. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. Uh, glad to have you along this morning. Beautiful sunny day out there this morning. Let's get right back to the phones. They're starting to fill up with open phone uh, topics. Dave, good morning. You're on Talk Back. Please go ahead. Yes, first of all, it sounds like Missoula County is the only problem, has the problem with bridges. But, but the reality is uh, our infrastructure has been falling apart since the 50s. In the 50s, 1950s, we spent... Mm. Taxes were higher, and we spent more money on roads. Uh, second point of, on the elections, um, Democrats, president candidates, generally win the popular vote. It, only George W. Bush was able to win the popular vote. So, I mean, that, that's just has been the history for a while. But uh, um, third point about immigration. Uh, yesterday... Uh, Speaker of the House said that the President of the United States has the power to shut down the border. Well, I did some research on it, and he's partially right. The President does, at present laws, he can shut down border crossings for a while. Um, but it, as far as shutting down the entire border for, for a long cycle, I mean, that is, is very questionable, and there'd be lots of lawsuits, and it would be fought out in the court of law. So, so that well, now, whoever is may I, may, may I may I ask you, who in the United States? Now, please forgive my may, perhaps my extreme naivete here. Who in the United States would sue when someone tried to enforce our own border? What, who who would sue against that? There are laws on the books that say legal entry into this country is has a right. People have a right. Of to course, come in. you're exactly right. But they're not coming in legally, Dave. Millions of them are coming yes. in illegally, and it has to be stopped. Yes, yes. it yes. has to be stopped. Who's going to do yes. it? It has, new laws have to be passed Ugh. to make it easier for that to happen. The reality is, people. At the moment, crossing in illegally, claiming, claiming that they are abused, are threatened in their own country, have a right to a, a day in court in the United States. So, well, they're I mean, not, they're not is, hanging around waiting for their day in court. I can tell you that, Dave. Are they? They are let free because <laughs> the, because the legal system says it can. It is let free for them to wait for their court to time. Right. That is the laws of the land. Okay. Now, if you don't like the laws of the land, we need to change them. And I'm a, I'm all for changing the laws. The, the 
the politicians in Washington have to get together and change the laws. All right. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right. Let's get Ed on the line. Ed, good morning. You're on Talkback, sir. What's on your mind? Wow, I'm a, I'm going to step back here and talk about bridges. Go ahead, sir. If that's okay. Uh, and it's the bridge to nowhere here on Reserve Street. Uh, several people have said, you know, pick it up and move it out and put it over the river. Uh, but I was thinking about how that bridge uh, uh, came about. A uh, bunch of years ago, maybe 15, uh, the refinery in Laurel needed some great big equipment to uh, redo its uh, facility or expand its facility. And that big equipment was made in South Korea. And they shipped it over, they barged it up the river, and put it on great big truck trailers, and went over Lolo Pass and came down. And it was getting through Missoula that was a political uh, problem because uh, the Greenies here didn't want uh, to upgrade uh, an oil refinery in Loyal. So there were protests and whatever, but they, 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 they snipped some of the and uh, reconfigured some of the electrical wires overhead to get this big thing they had all the permits and permissions right. this big thing uh over to i-90 and they were uh uh they they uh went down to, to laurel with it well after that the, the word came out we need a bridge over there something they can't move we need to put a bridge of a certain minimum height so it can't be moved, and none of this bad stuff's going to come through Missoula again. And uh, they built the bridge, and the oil company found another way to get around and get to I-90, and it was all for naught. But now they got a bridge that is basically blocking uh, industrial use of Reserve Street, and it's not to uh, get... Uh, people from one side of reserve to another because we know that's not happening. You know, you can't see it happening. Now, am I the only paranoid out there who remembers <laughs> uh, this sequence of events? It, it, I was around at that time as well. And uh, the, the, the bridge, uh, what people call the bridge to nowhere, uh, which is a pedestrian and bicycle bridge across Reserve Street, um, uh, from what I understand, it was built with what was called a, uh, I believe it was called a Tiger Grant. Uh, it is one of those wonderful acronyms. And uh, that's, that's where I believe the money came from. So. Okay, well, it, it was, uh, the stimulus was uh, this uh, 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 oil refinery in Loyal right. and his great big equipment. We went up on Lolo Pass where we was parked for the day and looked at took pictures. There's, it was a kind of a scenic attraction. Right, yes. <laughs> up there at the time. I remember. Yeah. Okay. All right, buddy. That's my view. Thanks for okay. the call. We appreciate it, sir. Seven to, open phones, whatever might be on your mind this morning. 721-1290 is our number. Jerry is up next. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Thanks for holding. Hey, thank you for my call. And I called in mainly to support uh, Larry's comments and the one after him uh, about how we've misused uh, funds over the years and how MRA and some of the tax income and districts are, are taking up funds. So I, I'm uh, I, I second their call. They couldn't be more right on that. And I'm sitting here looking at a map of Missoula County properties out in West Missoula, 
and O'Byron Creek and Big Flat Road. And I'm looking at the hundreds and hundreds of houses out there right. that have all always used that bridge uh, to get into the Missoula Heart. Now they have to go all the way down and use the stoplight at mm-hmm. 93 strips. So I, I can't imagine how busy that stoplight and that traffic coming into 93 at that point when all of these people that live up O'Brien Creek and, and Big Flat Road, uh, of course, there's another one out north of Missoula. Uh, but when they come in and they, they want to get to Missoula to buy their groceries and other things. So well, our, we're just asking for bigger problems. I, I was just going to say that our, our friend Walt Kira, who was on yesterday, uh, was mentioning that he lives in that area. And now instead of being able to use the McClay Bridge, he, he also has to go down. And he said there's a lot more traffic now at that intersection than there has been in the past because the McClay Bridge is closed. So it's like it's like it's like a very fragile set of dominoes, you know, that uh, one, one can go down and then a, a whole lot of others begin to, to follow suit. Right. And I, I, I was listening to that and I heard that comment and, and Walt was so right about it. But, you know, the, the bridge has just been closed. So you wait until uh, people really start to use that and the traffic that we're going to see hit that light at 93 trip and then all of those people then are going to go into 93 uh, down through uh, the in, into the heart of Missoula and and the traffic there is is going to be horrendous so I really feel sorry for that we, we needed that bridge on South Avenue so bad so many years ago uh, and now we're going to probably wait another 10 15 years before it ever comes in so at least, well at least 2 uh, years Missoula's at least 2 yeah well do you know how long it's going to take? What did it do? It take uh, it took at least three years to rebuild the bridge, Higgins Avenue Bridge. Right. right yeah. And now they're now they're going to change Higgins Avenue Bridge to a two lane uh, bicycle path. Uh, th- that's crazy how Missoula doesn't think about long term planning. Uh, they they like to make believe they do and do long term planning, but they seem to overlook the facts of, of what really is happening. So I, I need to get off the road and let somebody else uh, <laughs> on in. So Jerry, it's always, always a, my call. You bet. It's always a pleasure talking with you. We're going to come right back. We have Casey waiting on the line. Hey, it's Open Phones. What's on your mind this morning? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's an open forum for uh, whatever you'd like to talk about. 721-1290-1800-568-5309 or use the KGVO app. We're coming right back. At- All right, uh, my memory has improved. The Tiger Grant, by the way, was was used to help uh, extend the trail, uh, the the walking and biking trail, all the way from Missoula out to, towards uh, towards the Bitterroot. So, but. I have it on good authority right here uh, because I wrote the story uh, when the bridge first opened. Mayor Engen, former Mayor J- uh, Dan Chemis, and the Missoula Redevelopment Agency were happy as the South Reserve Bitterroot Trail Bridge uh, held its grand opening. The 707-foot-long bridge includes a 190-foot span over the always busy Reserve Street. And it even senses when there's snowy weather and the heating system within the fiber-reinforced polymer deck. Uh, will automatically turn on to melt snow and ice from the surface. So that was actually built through uh, Missoula Redevelopment Agency grant, about $4.2 million. Let's get uh, moving on the, the phones. Casey has been waiting the longest. Casey, good morning and welcome. You're on Talkback. Hey, good morning. Um, so I don't know if you guys talked about this because I've only been listening for a half hour or so, but okay. um, yes, it's tr- true. Missoula has a terrible 
record with bridges. Um, just another example was last night, Reserve Street Bridge. It was, I think, about 845. There was what appeared to be a terrible wreck on the bridge. Looked like it was a tanker. And uh, I was um, southbound right by the Mullen uh, Reserve intersection. And uh, there was a bunch of cars that looked like they were trapped on the bridge. And then, uh, thankfully, I hadn't gotten to those concrete barriers yet, but uh, a bunch of the cars, including myself, eventually were doing UEs and traveling back to the Mullen intersection and uh, going around via Mullen. And then just when I went over there, a guy did a UE. He was uh, facing westbound in the southbound lane, and he did a UE to to travel uh, eastbound down Mullen and almost got hit by a car. And so then when I drove around through town, uh, I I ended up going down uh, Russell southbound and uh, River Road was backed up as far as you could see. And this is the second big accident that I have seen on the Reserve Bridge in, I think, less than two months. And it's because uh, when you're driving on that bridge and it's dark, you can't, especially when there's a car beside you, you can't hardly see where those concrete uh, barriers are or where the um, the lanes are. Um, so, yeah, I just I just wanted to comment that, you know, it seems like with all of this money that we're wasting on things like more football fields and that we're not putting into infrastructure like the 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 two, two the one lane bridge. Uh, you know, it seems like we could uh, do a lot better and maybe start with things like some uh, lighting on reserve bridge or some reflector, more than reflectors. There's reflectors right now on those uh, concrete barriers, but they don't do squat, squat when it's dark out. Um, so anyways, that was just my comment. Okay. For what it's worth. I, I, I do have uh, something right here. Uh, I just looked it up. It was originally considered a, quote, rural bridge and no lights were necessary. And when the second part of the bridge was added, there was still no need for the bridge to be lit. The cost to add lights uh, would be between half a million and $750,000 would be prohibitive. And I remember doing a story about that with the folks from the Montana Department of Transportation. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they'd find a way to make it extraordinarily expensive. I, I, I drove a lot in Oregon in uh, 2000, and I don't know what they've got, but they've got these reflectors on their roads where they're on the tops of things like the uh, concrete barriers. And when you're driving through there and your lights shine on them, it looks like there's a light actually going, like on. Wow. Um, way better than what we've got. I know there's got to be some kind of inexpensive reflectors that they could put up but i guess my point is that they won't you know and you know they waste money on fencing for the homeless encampment there and then they say well you know this is a learning curve we didn't do it quite right we're learning from our mistakes you know they waste all of that money on there and yet people keep getting in wrecks on that bridge at night because you can't see uh, hardly it's extremely hard to see you know, and it's dark or foggy and it's icy. So, anyways, that was just my comment. I'm sure it probably won't be fixed anytime soon, but... Well, you know... Yeah. Uh, the, Thank the, you for your time. Hey, the more we talk about it, the more people listen and, uh, hey, things can happen. So, yeah, we appreciate your call. Thank sure. you so much. Uh, who's up next? Is Thank it, you. Is it... Uh, I'm sorry, Nick? Uh, Jerry, Jerry's up. Uh, Jerry's up next. Jerry, good morning. You're back on Talkback. Go ahead, sir. Uh, different Jerry. Oh, different Jerry. I'm sorry, Jerry. Go ahead. What's up? 
Now, this is different, Jerry, but can I, can I go back to the borders for a little bit? Of course. Uh, we don't need we don't need new laws and more money to fix the border. We just need to enforce the laws that we have. When when uh, Biden took office, he rescinded or canceled 62 of President Trump's uh, border policy, border laws, 62 of them with a stroke of a pen. With that same pen, with, this, with without new laws, without more money and stuff like he's demanding, with that same pen, he could close the border, start enforcing the laws that we have, and start fixing the problem, but they refuse to do it. He just refuses to do it. The Democrats want open borders. All right, Jerry, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, sir. Yeah, thanks for letting me vent. It's our pleasure. We're, we're up against a break. We ha- you'll hang on. We have Cody and Jeff and some other folks waiting to call in this morning. 721-1290 is our number. It's open phones all the way till 930 this morning. Whatever might be on your mind, that's what we want to talk about. So we're going to come right back after this timeout. So stay with us. Hey, this is Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Drier air helping to keep us away from fog today. Mostly sunny skies, highs anywhere from 40 to 50, although some locations might even be a few degrees warmer again today. Increasing clouds this afternoon, a slight chance of rain and snow showers developing overnight into Friday, although with warmer temperatures, that will be rain on Friday. More rain Friday night into Saturday with the snow levels above four to 5,000 feet. Possible freezing rain at times into Sunday. Thursday morning, February 1st, if you can believe it and uh, we are right in the middle of talk back and open phones 721-1290 is our number 1-800-568-5309 of course you can use the kgvo app cody's been waiting through the break uh, cody thank you for your patience sir what's on your mind and thank you for taking my call I, I didn't actually initially call to talk about the bridge but i was listening to you it, it seems interesting. i'm pretty good at noticing patterns uh and you know they What's one of the biggest rules is never, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, now there's a, a crisis on the at the bridge that has now been created, and of course, there's going to be a lot of uh, discourse on it. And I was listening to you talk about the four point two million dollars that was used to create that uh, debacle of a bridge, walking bridge that goes over reserve. Right. If I'm not much mistaken, I, I, I swear, unless I'm feeling the effects of the Mandela, <laughs> the Mandela syndrome. <laughs> Uh, I remember you talking about besides the uh, cost of the bridge, if you look at all the investors and contractors involved with interest, after we paid interest on the bridge, it was over $11 million. Am I mistaken on that? I do not know, to be honest with you. I, I, have, no, I have no memory of that. We might have written a story on that, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I and so, anyway, I, I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen well, here. Let, we got let, a new crisis. But let's let's, put, let's put it this way. It, it, it's a beautiful bridge. I mean, it's it, it's it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's covered so that bicyclists and, and, and pedestrians can get over Reserve Street without having to worry about the weather and all that good stuff. So it, it does accomplish the um the, the 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 mission that it was made to do which was to get people over uh re- because you, if you remember there were there were also uh thinking about digging a tunnel underneath reserve street or a bridge over the top of reserve street and the bridge won out well, well sure <laughs> I, i'm just not i'm just i'm just saying that i i mean i i don't i don't remember all the other options they were we were given as options i just it just seems like when, I, I mean, I, I think I've even seen a person crossing it once. 
anyway, but the main reason I was uh, a calling is because of the the border conversation that's going uh-huh. on. I'm amazed at the people that act like the president doesn't have anything to do with making the border secure for our own country. I, these are obviously people who are just trying to stick up for their candidate no matter what he does. Uh, can I, I – I was looking up numbers here a week or two ago about the border – you know, they've only stopped and questioned or even tried to vet 5 to 10% of the people that have crossed the border. Right. I, I don't know if you are aware of that. I, I understand and that, within yeah. That five to, and within that 5 to 10%, there's been over 1,000 uh, people on the, on the terrorist watch list from the Middle East. Now, that's not even talking about the criminals and the people who are known conv- uh, convicts and... Uh, the, uh, other people with problems that have been purposely shipped to America, which makes the estimate over 10,000 people on the ne- that have made it across total of people on the known terrorist watch list. Look, my, my comment is this, folks. The damage has been done. I, I don't think any of this is reversible. If you look at the overall, and I'm sorry for the doomsday stuff, especially on such a beautiful day, yeah. but can, may I please suggest to people, get your get your books in order Please get some emergency prepared stuff because if you look at the money crisis, the economical crisis, the debt crisis, the uh, the immigration crisis, everything is staged now for us, to, and it's irreversible. Right now, we are we're, we're something big is about to happen. Please, people, get get things in order just to be prepared in case uh, to keep you to keep you and your family safe. All right, uh, it's just a comment, and even if, and I'm glad to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But let's just get be, be prepared, and that way you have peace of mind. Cody, That's all I got to say. Thank you. Thanks for the call. And we have about two minutes exactly for Jeff's call. Jeff, got two minutes. Go, sir. Oh, wow. Pressure's on. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, a couple of days ago, I was talking about uh, the uh, this difference in school uh, salaries between teachers in, in cities in Montana. And uh, I'm just going to talk to Billings in Missoula because there's a whole bunch of them I, I listed. But... The salary, average salary in Billings is $55,479. The average salary for a teacher in Missoula is $48,703. That's a difference of about $7,000. Okay. The other part of that, though, is how much does Billings spend on per student versus uh, Missoula? And Billings for elementary school spends about $200 less on average, it's $92.36. In Missoula, it's about $94.20. So it's about $200. High school, billing spends about $4,000 less. They spend $9,738 versus $11,656 in Missoula. So about $4,000 more in Missoula per student, high school student, yet they're paying teachers on average $7,000 less. So why is Missoula Public Schools, Missoula County Public Schools, pay? Why do people in Missoula County have to pay more per student, but the teachers get paid less? That's a very good question, and uh, that that is something right. that I I will try to follow up on. Okay, and then really quick on the, on the bridge, I was uh, I didn't get a chance to go in, Nick. Thirty uh, thir- thirty Nick seconds. Was, uh, thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, I was going back to the Missoulian. 2019, 
there were a whole bunch of articles about what to do with the bridge and nothing got done. In 22, they actually had to have people come out and look at the abutments because uh, the concrete was failing. And so you had inspectors out there two years ago looking at the bridge. Why didn't they discover up. the damage? Jeff, we're out of time. Now? Thank you. Well, we'll, we'll come back. We have near dead fronts. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two of the Thursday edition, February 1st edition of Talkback, brought to you this morning by Harrington Surgical Supply, where you can feel confident in Harrington Surgical Supply's discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts at Palmer and West Broadway. No matter how cold it might get, eventually, you may you will need every, everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time is right there at Gomer's at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Y West Storage out of the Y on Two Smokes Way. For pricing and availability of storage units, call 406-510-0590 because at Y West they're making room for you. And by Phillips Janitorial, both residents residential and commercial cleaning no one does it better and no job is too big or small 406-260-6617 the views and opinions expressed on talkback are not those of the staff management or advertisers okay, we are back on talkback it's open phones this morning for uh actually it was open phones but now we are switching gears and talking with our good friend, Dr. Mirdad Kia, uh, professor of history at the University of Montana. And, of course, uh, the one person that uh, we lean on when it comes to Middle East affairs, and especially what's going on right now uh, with this proxy war, if you will, between the United States and Iran. So, uh, Mirdad, welcome. Please go ahead, sir. What, uh, tell us what's going on. Good morning to you, Peter and Nick. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh it's always a pleasure to speak to our listeners, uh, especially on this beautiful day. Um, what is uh, really happening is that uh, as a result of repeated attacks by the proxies of the Islamic regime in Iran, uh, these are, um, of course, most, li- most of our listeners know them, um, Hamas in Gaza Strip. Uh, which is funded and backed by Iran. Hezbollah, the party of God, as it's called, in Lebanon, and uh, the Houthis in uh, Yemen, and a series of organizations, uh, some secretive and some underground, uh, but some openly hostile to the United States in Iraq. Uh, these are all um, sort of the proxies of Iran, they have intensified their attacks on the United States in the past several months, and uh, we have had something close to, I know over 150, but approximately by now, about 165 attacks on uh, U.S. personnel, U.S. bases, and uh, not only U.S. and Israeli targets, but also on international shipping uh, especially more recently in the Red Sea, but also in the Persian Gulf region. Uh, this is, um, you know, the uh, circle of fire, as the Islamic regime calls it. And they are circle of fire. Why? If you look at them geographically, uh, they are a circle of fire around Israel uh, to make the Jewish state uh, feel that it's under constant attack 
in case it uh, takes any direct action against Iran. Um, so all that said, uh, of course, we have been waiting since they attacked the base in Jordan, uh, which is very close to the border between Jordan, Syria, and Iraq, uh, which caused the death of uh, three uh, U.S. soldiers. And, uh, of course, um, as I'm watching uh, uh, with some of you, uh, Secretary Austin addressing um, his um, stay in the hospital, but also uh, the possible reaction to uh, these attacks, we still do not have any any military response, uh, which is worth talking about. We have attacked, the United States has attacked, and certain Iranian targets, but these has been, you know, arms depots, storage houses, more or less, just more or less empty uh, targets. And what is uh, quite astonishing to me is that uh, we have given more or less a three, four days now respite, which actually provides a warning uh, to Iran uh, to evacuate some of the possible targets we might attack. And uh, last time we attacked the Houthis, uh, Iran's proxy in Yemen, we actually warned Iran to uh, remove its uh, uh, ships, its naval battleships, and so on and so forth. Uh, So we would minimize the damage on the Iranian military infrastructure. To be honest with you, when I look at the response from the administration, um, it's astonishing. Uh, and I think a large part of it can be explained by the fact that we have repeatedly um, stated publicly uh, that we do not want to escalate or expand this conflict from uh, Gaza between the Palestinians and the Israelis to a wider you know, conflict which might involve United States directly uh, in any shape or form. And the reason for that is simply that it's an election year. And um, and uh, the president is probably very worried about um, a, a wider conflict in the Middle East uh, with no end in sight during a year where we will have a very, by all uh, estimates, a very close election. And with that, uh, Mirdad, we're up against a commercial break. 721-1290 is our number. Very, very uh, somber and sober uh, comments from, from Mirdad, who, of course, always has his uh, his finger on the pulse of what's happening in that part of the country. So we're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. I believe Catherine is on the line who wants to make a comment as well, Mirdad. We're going to come right back with more of Talk Back right after this. Dennis Bragg with the latest forecast from the Town Square Weather Center. Drier air helping to keep us away from fog today. Mostly sunny skies, highs anywhere from 40 to 50, although some locations might even be a few degrees warmer again today. Increasing clouds this afternoon, a slight chance of rain and snow showers developing overnight into Friday, although with warmer temperatures, that will be rain on Friday. More rain Friday night into Saturday with the snow levels above four to 5,000 feet. Possible freezing rain at times into Sunday. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. A very uh, serious conversation with Dr. Mirdad Kia at University of Montana regarding what's going on in uh, between uh, Iran and the United States in uh, what is, uh, I guess, being called a proxy war at this point with over 150 attacks. Now, uh, Mirdad, we have a whole bunch of folks waiting to jump on the line with you to talk about this. We're starting with Catherine. 
Catherine, good morning. You're on with Dr. Kia. Go ahead, please. Yeah, two two things. One is that I read yesterday that the Biden administration is considering unilaterally granting um, or de declaring that Palestinian is a state. In other words, to do the two-state solution without any Israeli um, um, input. And secondly, um, I guess uh, Gazans are now openly expressing their anger with Hamas uh, because they're, the Hamas operatives are trying to to stop them from fleeing through the safe corridors that uh, the IDF continues to provide. So I was wondering what you thought of both of those things. All right. Thank you, thank Catherine. You. Go ahead, uh, Mirdad. Yeah, those are um, excellent questions, uh, Catherine. Thank you very much. Uh, first, let, let me start with the second one. Yes, there is a... Uh, rising uh, sort of um, uh, despair among the Palestinians for obvious reasons. Uh, they have been in this in the middle of this battle between Hamas and the Israeli government, and they have suffered a great deal with uh, many casualties, many wounded, many children among them. And um, of course, uh, uh, as the conflict continues, they realize that uh, they have been used, they have been manipulated by Hamas uh, while it was building underground tunnels and uh, bringing weaponry and training its uh, its um, soldiers, its fighters, uh, and receiving billions of dollars. They didn't do anything for the Palestinian people. Not a single hospital, not a single clinic, not a single school, uh, nothing to improve uh, the social, economic, political life of uh, the Palestinian people, and it's especially uh, in the area of, in the area of politics. Basically, what they did, they created a more or less a very Islamist, fascistic regime uh, where freedom of expression is, of course, absent. But the worst kind of treatment of the Palestinian people, uh, anybody criticizing the Hamas regime. I would either disappear or uh, land in jail and be tortured. Um, and homosexuals, uh, we have cases of homosexuals being thrown off uh, roofs, you know, as a form of punishment. You know, this is a, really a barbaric uh, uh, so, a so-called movement, uh, which Palestinians have paid a very heavy, heavy price for. And I'm not surprised that Palestinians, many of them are very educated uh, are set up with Hamas, and but it's going to take a while because at the same time that we see this, there is a segment of the Palestinian society which still supports Hamas uh, because it's standing up to Israel. And uh, unfortunately, the more secular Palestinian leadership uh, based in the West Bank has proved to be totally incompetent, not only incompetent, but also very corrupt and uh, embarrassing to any Palestinians. Uh, so that's, that's you know, the, the picture as, as we see it. As far as uh, uh, the first question was concerned, uh, is basically you have a situation uh, that, um, that basically the United States is not responding properly uh, to attacks waged by Iran, and uh, there are a lot of explanations that we can go through in the next few minutes. 
Well, I'll tell you, well, let's, let's, get, lack of let, yep. let's, let's get another call on uh, because we only have a half an hour with you. Uh, Dave, go ahead. Okay. You're on with Mirdad. Please go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I support Israel's right to go after those criminals who, who did those such barbaric things. But the world is also watching uh, uh, Israeli citizens blocking food from coming into the Gaza Strip for, for children. And that just and that makes Israel's war look like not in a good light. And as far as Iran goes, if you were president of the United States... Would you declare war on Iran and try to get okay. Afghanistan to, to or, excuse me, Iraq to allow you to send troops into Iran? I mean, what is your what is your vision of what we should do in Iran? All right, thanks for the call, Dave. Yeah. Your dad, go ahead. Dave, thank you very much for your uh, for your questions. Um, as you know, <clears throat> I completely support, uh, of course, the supplying of food and medicine. Uh, to the Palestinian people in Gaza, nobody can deny that, uh, that this is a humanitarian crisis and uh, there needs to be a continuous flow of food and medicine. Israel initially had problems with the shipments, not because it opposes food and medicine to the people, it was because uh, it was not given the permission to actually view what the cargoes contained. And they were afraid that the cargoes would bring other things other than food and medicine. And secondly, they were worried about the fact that the food and medicine will not go to the people in Gaza, but to the Hamas fighters in order to reinforce them and in order to make them uh, resist uh, the Israeli operations even more fiercely. Uh, so I, I don't think, you know, accusing, and, and I'm sure uh, Israel has made mistakes, and I'm sure many innocent lives have been lost. Uh, this is a war, and in the middle of the war, this will happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Israel is purposely trying to starve, you know, the people in Gaza. Uh, I think you should ask for the reasons from uh, the the Hamas uh, leadership, which is sitting in uh, five-star hotels in some Middle Eastern country. But as far as Iran is concerned, uh, I have said it before many times, I think Dave knows this, uh, I am completely opposed to any form of military invasion of Iran by United States. I'm actually uh, completely opposed to any form of face-to-face -face military confrontation. Uh, there, there is a great deal of uh, choices and alternatives between total inaction as we see it today uh, from washington and military invasion uh, between black and white there are a lot of gray uh, that we can cover one is to reimpose uh, significant uh, financial economic sanctions on the regime uh, biden administration came with the idea of reviving the iran nuclear deal and in the process allowed Iran to sell its oil and gas. They sold something over 90, 90, 90 billion dollars worth of oil in international markets, mostly to China. And flush with money, the Iranian regime then felt brazen to actually increase its support to Hamas, its support to Hezbollah, its support to the Houthis in Yemen, 
all of this, as many people in the Middle East would say, all of this is actually um, somehow caused by the U.S. policy, which allowed the Iranian regime to once again stand on its feet. Remember uh, when Soleimani was hit and killed uh, earlier under Trump administration, and uh, both the Obama administration for some time and uh, the Trump administration both had imposed major sanctions on Iran, and those sanctions were squeezing, basically, the Iranian regime, and its proxies were complaining that they were not getting weapons and money as they had been promised. So there are ways to actually, you know, squeeze the Iranian regime. The other thing, which is very important, is to work with the Iranian opposition. The Iranian opposition is significant both inside and outside Iran. Um, This regime is very unpopular uh, inside Iran, and we haven't done anything to help the Iranian opposition because we believe that negotiations are the only way. And these negotiations have not gone anywhere. We are still living with the illusion that this regime in Tehran can become a normal actor. It refuses to. Let us always remember that. Okay, with that, we're up against another break. We have two other callers that want to visit with you when we come right back. 721-1290 is our number. Dr. Kia can only be with us till 930. Then we have special guests in the studio from Community Medical Centers. We'll be shifting gears after that. Back after this. Hey, we're back on TalkBack. Uh, Dr. Mirdad Kia joining us on the phone right now from the University of Montana from the History Department talking about uh, what's going on in the Middle East right now, specifically Iran and its proxy war against uh, U.S. forces. Helena has been waiting as well. Helena, let's get your call in right now with Dr. Kia. Go ahead, please. Yeah, thanks. Um, my question has to do with the Iranian regime um, domestically. Um, since they've had this opposition arise um, in their country, since the death of Masa Amini um, and these protests, they've imprisoned um, tens of thousands, it's my understanding, of protesters and opposition opponents. And they recently carried out a series of executions that were so brazen or just for no, no reason executed four young people at the same time that that even made the news here in the United States. And I wanted to ask Dr. Kia how he thinks their domestic politics, the repression of their own people, is affecting their foreign actions, uh, their actions abroad. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Yeah, so that that's an excellent question. Um, what we have really uh, since last September, when the people of Iran rose after the death of uh, Masa Amini, a young uh, Iranian Kurdish woman uh, at the hands of security forces, uh, it has been just the most brutal repression the Iranian regime could carry out. Um, as Helena mentioned, you have uh, over 30,000 people who were jailed in matter of days, 30,000 people. And uh, the, the brutality is... Uh, so many have been executed. Of course, the majority of those who have been jailed uh, are beaten and tortured. Uh, there have been, um, uh, you know, news of uh, rape uh, during interrogation. And more recently, as Helena also mentioned, in the last several days, uh, using the uh, Israeli-Hamas uh, sort of conflict and the fact that it has overshadowed every other news, um, 
uh, they have carried out execution of innocent human beings. These are people who have been jailed for the most, uh, you know, insignificant uh, charges, and they have executed these folks. Um, and of course, uh, I'm amazed that the United States government has not even expressed any uh, sympathy or sadness for the people who are fighting so bravely and courageously. And as long as we are quiet, our European allies are quiet, uh, and uh, they can violate every principle of human rights inside their country, of course, they will continue uh, the repression. But that repression tells you something. It tells you how intense the opposition to the regime is inside Iran and how the Iranian people are determined to get rid of it. Now, I will tell you, uh, Mirda, I'm only about a minute away from uh, having to let you go. And uh, we have another caller we're not going to have time for. But real quickly, uh, what what is there an end game in sight here? Or is this just going to be drip, drab, drip, drab uh, against the United States from from Iran? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, just a few hours ago, the Houthis in Yemen uh, claimed that they had hit another U.S. container ship in Red Sea. Uh, conveniently, uh, some of the folks in the media and in the White House have kind of uh, let it go without mentioning it even because it shows the brazen uh, aggressiveness of the Iranian regime. And as long as we're going to play this uh, cat and mouse game, they're going to play it. They have read the game as uh, a White House which does not want to escalate. And uh, for that reason, they can continue their attacks on United States and on Israeli targets without any end in sight. Dr. Key, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us. I'm glad folks know more about it now. Thanks uh, to you being on with us. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much, Peter. Right. As thank, thank you. And well, we're, we're going to take a quick break and right back. And we are going to shift gears because we have our friends from Community Medical Center for their, their monthly visit. Dr. Matthew Weiss, cardiology specialist from the Community Medical Center, is going to be joining us at, here in the studio, taking your phone calls as well, talking about heart health. So we're coming right back with more of Talk Back right after this. Hey, we are back on Talk Back, and we're definitely shifting gears. I'm feeling healthier already. <laughs> the folks from Community Medical Center are joining us here in the studio this morning. Megan Condra is the communication specialist. Hi, Megan. How you doing? Good morning. Good to, good to see you. And uh, uh, would you introduce our guest, Dr. Matthew Weiss, please? Yes, we have a non-invasive cardiologist, Dr. Matthew Weiss, and he um, is with Billings Clinic Heart and Vascular at Community Medical Center and uh, has clinics here in Missoula as well as down in the Bitterroot in Stevensville. Okay, so if you don't mind, for the for the grossly uneducated like myself, what is a non-invasive cardiologist? Uh, thanks for asking. Good morning and thanks for having me. So in cardiology, like a lot of other specialties in medicine, there's kind of subspecialties. And uh, non-invasive cardiologists, uh, we focus more on kind of preventive care that can have to do with your blood pressure, or your cholesterol, trying to avoid a heart attack before one may come. So we do a lot of stress testing and um, imaging of the heart, whether that be with ultrasound or CAT scan or MRI, um, as compared to say an interventional cardiologist, which would be the person who puts a stent in your heart when you're having a heart attack. Okay, so somebody who, who actually gets in there and messes with it, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be my colleagues, and I rely on them for that, and I'm and, and appreciative of their work. I try to prevent that stuff up front is the goal. So let's talk about why you got into this uh, in the first place. Obviously, this is a specialty. You're also a, what I, what a, a new word I've just learned, a lipidologist. So what, uh, what, what is that? 
Yeah, uh, um, that's my area of interest. Lipidology is the study of cholesterol and cholesterol metabolism. So actually in the state of Montana, I happen to be the only board certified lipidologist in the wow. entire state. Um, so I see patients from all over the state, uh, either by, by telephone or telemedicine or in person. Um, and cholesterol disorders are kind of, again, my specialty there. Uh, you know, cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death uh, worldwide and certainly in the United States. And much of that is mediated through cholesterol disorders, meaning high cholesterol leading to heart attack, leading to stroke as well. And the more we do up front to, to treat cholesterol, the more we can prevent, again, the number one killer of, uh, in the United States. So, so that's a huge area of opportunity. Most of us have cholesterol that's frankly too high. Now, we, we all know this, right? I mean, uh, the, the, this is not exactly uh, a brand new, oh, really? Uh, right. But, so, so we know that we, our, our cholesterol is too high, and yet we continuously seem to love those foods or drinks or desserts or whatever it might be uh, that, that bring us into that area where we're not as healthy as we should be. So, you know, what, uh, give, give us your view on, on how to begin talking, uh, start taking steps to alleviate that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you bring up diet, uh, which is a big problem in the United States as we uh, eat for convenience and look for foods that are quick and easily accessible and often inexpensive. And sometimes those things aren't the healthiest choices, right? Um, but it's really a double whammy. Are, because- you, are you telling me I can't go to get my favorite potato Olays? <laughs> Everything in moderation. <laughs> Everything in moderation. I, I'll eat I'll eat red meat when I want, but it's <laughs> sure. in moderation, right? Right. So I think uh, to this double whammy idea, though, of diet being certainly contributory, but actually uh, genetic cholesterol disorders are among the most common genetic disorders in all of the medical field. Um, and so for the average person, probably about 80% of their cholesterol is more genetically wow. determined and 20% dietary. Now, 20% is nothing to... To, to blow off. That's still a very significant number. But for many people, even, even with aggressive dietary changes, which again, a lot of us aren't doing, but even with good diet, uh, you can still have the, the cards stacked against you because of this, this genetic predisposition for high cholesterol and putting you at risk for cardiovascular disease. So here's something else I can blame my parents for. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's funny. I always talk through five points and I open my hand and kind of count them off with patients. And I say, you know, the, the things we need to think about with cardiovascular disease prevention are cholesterol, smoking, diabetes, blood pressure, and your parents and you know your genetics and we can't change your parents obviously right, right, but the other right. things are really modifiable and right. those are our areas of focus right. uh, so so when people when someone comes to see you what what, what is their what's the usual uh, thing that with the complaint when uh, I got to go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, you should go see Dr. Weiss over community. Uh, so when people come into you, what do they ordinarily com- what What is their complaint? Yeah. And I think this is, I, I like the question because this is actually maybe what makes my practice a little different than some other folks. I mean, so, so often in cardiovascular medicine, we're waiting for someone to have a heart attack and then treating them right. so that they don't have a second one. And of course we want them not to have a second one, but wouldn't it have been great to prevent the first one? So many patients come to see me in particular because my practice is is more about preventive cardiology. Uh, So I see plenty of patients who come in because of, say, a strong family history. My dad had a heart attack, say, before 55. My mom had a heart attack or stroke before 65. You know, those are considered premature um, cardiovascular problems at those ages. And so if you have that kind of family history, you should be asking these questions, you know, in your 30s and 40s, certainly, and not waiting till your mom or dad's age uh, to have the same fate. Uh, so many times patients will come in for that reason, a strong family history, um, 
or a blood test, say they had a, or they went to a screening fair like Community had last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and you get a blood test and your cholesterol comes back high and your primary care doc says this is a bit higher. Why don't you go talk to Dr. Weiss about something we can do preventatively to try to prevent that first heart attack? So for folks, so for folks who have had that test, and, and they look at the numbers, and it's kind of hard to, to figure out exactly what they mean. Uh, what, what is high cholesterol? What are the numbers that indicate high cholesterol? Yeah, this can be a confusing topic because, for one, guidelines are always changing, right? And, you know, to stay up to date is a, is a big part of this. Um, but when you get a regular uh, cholesterol blood test, what we call a lipid panel, uh, folks may be familiar, that usually includes your total cholesterol, your HDL. That's what we used to call good cholesterol. We don't really call it good cholesterol anymore actually. It's not as good as we wished. It also includes triglycerides, which is like the fat content in the blood and LDL bad cholesterol. And to simplify things for the sake of time, um, (laughs) you know, LDL bad cholesterol is really say the primary focus. And nowadays we consider a normal LDL bad cholesterol less than 100. This is measured in what we call milligrams per deciliter, but less than 100 for your bad LDL cholesterol is now considered normal. And we, we certainly treat to much lower thresholds if people do have established um, heart disease. You know, if they've had a stent, if they've had a heart attack, if they've had a stroke, then we're really driving that bad LDL cholesterol down to even less than 55. Um, and so that's usually with medicines and diet. We're going to come right back, and we do have Joe waiting to visit with you. So we'll need those headphones when we come back. Joining us here in the studio, Dr. Matthew Weiss. He's a a cardiology specialist and Missoula's only lipidologist. And we're just learning more about that today uh, from Community Medical Center. So, by the way, we have more phone lines open. If you have a question for for Dr. Weiss, give us a call at 721-1290. We're coming back right after this. We love getting calls during a community medical center time, and we appreciate Dr. Matthew Weiss joining us here this morning. And let's get Joe on the line. Joe, good morning. You're on with uh, Dr. Weiss. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, Number one, I'd heard some stories about Viagra being uh, originally designed to help blood flow, and then they discovered the other aspects of it, which popularized it. Is there anything you can share on that in terms of, you know, uh, health uses for Viagra other than the popular one and then the other one is there's been a lot of talk about people having thrombosis I believe or other heart conditions and uh, some people have associated it with the uh, vaccine for the uh, COVID is there anything you could share on that I'll just listen online okay thanks for the call yeah yeah thanks for calling both relevant questions um With regards to the first one about Viagra, uh, you're absolutely right. That drug uh, was initially intended to be used uh, for a different purpose, actually to reduce uh, blood pressure in the lung circulation, what we call the pulmonary circulation. When we measure your blood pressure in your arm at a doctor's visit and we get, say, 120 over 80, that's actually a different blood pressure than the pressure in your lungs. Uh, In the pulmonary circulation, people can get high pressure there, say, from years of smoking, from sleep apnea, from chemical exposure, from old age, that we call pulmonary hypertension. Viagra was initially invented to kind of reduce the pressure in the lungs, and so it can uh, make people less short of breath if they have that condition. We still use it sometimes for for that purpose, although as you alluded to, it it certainly has another purpose that's a little more more popular. (laughs) Yeah, and you know... Everyone lives in a business world. The drug was repurposed and has, I think, been a good seller probably for other reasons. Uh, Your second question about thrombosis, that means blood clots. So what about blood clots with vaccines? Uh, 
I think you're alluding to the COVID vaccination. So we've got um, quite a bit of data about this now, actually, since we've been living in the pandemic um, for, you know, what, four years now. When the vaccines initially came out, you know, there were a few different ones to market. I guess there still are, actually. Um, And some of these vaccines seem to be associated perhaps with a a slight increased risk of a blood clot forming, what we call, as you called, thrombosis. I think that tended to be a little more common with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which was kind of the smallest market share among the vaccines. The M mRNA vaccines, which are the um, Pfizer and Moderna ones, had a very, very low rate of this. Um, And in fact, I think the best way to kind of frame this, uh, and I would say this about any medical discussion, is, you know, there's no free lunch. Everything has pros and cons. But the risk of getting a blood clot from a COVID infection is actually many, many, many more times higher than from a COVID vaccine. So if the goal is to not get a blood clot, you're better off getting a vaccine to prevent the disease than, you know, to worry about a blood clot secondary to the vaccine. Uh, although to your point, there is a very small incidence of that. Okay. Let's, uh, I believe we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, good morning. You're on with Dr. Matthew Weiss. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, doctor. Um, the science on fats and consumption of fats has kind of been all over the page, you know, uh, some, I guess, 40, 50 years ago, it was animal fats bad, vegetable fats good. And then we found out that, well, trans fats aren't good, so you need to get those out. And then uh, some work on uh, vegetable fats say, well, certain vegetable fats are good. Coconut oil is not, or is worse than olive oil. And now there's some uh, reemergence on uh, butter as an animal fat being better for you than margarine. So just kind of, where is the, quote, settled science, unquote, on uh, fats, you know, basically animal versus vegetable, but then also uh, any other nuances you might be able to give us? Yeah, good question. And Thanks, I think, Jeff. Thank you. As you allude to, it's uh, a complicated subject area. Um, I think some of the mainstays that we've understood for a long time still hold true, namely that foods rich in saturated fats uh, do drive up your cholesterol and contribute to cardiovascular disease. Um, So in terms of plant versus animal fats, uh, you know, I guess coconut oil would be an example of a plant-based fat that still um, highly proliferates your cholesterol, meaning some people think they're going to be on this kind of fad diet using coconut oil to replace other oils, and it can really drive up that bad LDL cholesterol. So that's an example of a a plant-based fat, I guess, that um, would have kind of negative cardiovascular health. Uh, In general, we think of saturated fats from animal fats as kind of the quote-unquote worst uh, as most contributory to your cardiovascular risk. Foods rich in these saturated fats would be like red meats. Um, And nowadays, actually, Americans get most of our saturated fat intake from cheese. We eat a lot of cheese. I mean, you go to a restaurant and you order a salad and it comes with a lot of cheese on the top. Um, And so so that's certainly a big contributor. Um, You know, to get a little more nitty-gritty, we talk about... um, monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats and the good fats uh, that maybe you'd find in something like an avocado um, or almonds and things like this. Those are what we consider kind of the the monounsaturated fats, kind of the more heart healthy fats compared to, uh, say, saturated fats that are found in butter, for example. So I shouldn't dip my my uh, potato chips in cheese. <laughs> uh, it, it's not the most heart healthy diet. Okay, I'm sorry. Catherine is waiting to visit with you. Catherine, good morning. You're on with Doctor Weiss. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, I'm just curious. I have uh, uh, blood pressure problems here, 
And it goes from a high of like 190 over 91 down to like 135 over 75. And it has no connection, doesn't seem to have any connection with any activity or anything like that. Um, what what causes that? Can you can you give a kind of a general idea of what might be causing something like that? Sure. Thanks for the question. So that's something we call labile hypertension. Hypertension meaning high blood pressure. Labile meaning it kind of swings a lot. Um, there can be a few explanations. Yeah. Some of it could be dietary. That would be a really common cause, particularly as salt relates to blood pressure. You know, um, you may have a tendency for mildly elevated blood pressure and then you eat something salty, whether it's the potato chips that were just alluded to <laughs> or, or something else. Um, and, and that can really cause surges in blood pressure. People who wake up with morning high blood pressures and then it gets better throughout the day, we often think about a condition called sleep apnea. Um, you know, breathing a little differently at night causes your oxygen level to go down. That's a, a stress on the body and causes people's morning blood pressures to really surge. Um, you may know folks who wear a CPAP, a mask when they go to bed to help them breathe better at night to avoid this kind of thing. Um, that would be a, another kind of contributor to what you're describing all right thanks for the call so let's see i think we have to, we have actually a, a two more callers on the line tom is up next tom good morning you're on with dr matthew weiss what's your question please yeah good morning doctor uh, uh i'd like to just uh, have you speak a little bit about how uh you know uh, red meat and, and and butter and uh other things like that get such a bad rap uh and um, nobody talks about the inflammation caused by the amount of uh, sugar and the fact that people uh, become obese because of the amount of sugar they eat. Um, and, um, you know, the, the lipids and, uh, you know, the, the inflammation in the blood vessels and stuff like that. So uh, I'll listen off the air. Thank Thanks you. for the call. That's a fantastic question. Um, part of what causes vascular disease is the ingredients that make plaque. Okay, so plaque's principally made up with cholesterol. So you need cholesterol to have to have plaque. But part of what's al- part of what allows cholesterol to get into the wall of your artery and start building a blockage is inflammation. And inflammation is hugely important in this process. And it's something that's there's still a lot of research going on in this. But part of the way to treat uh, people with heart disease nowadays is to to reduce vascular inflammation. Uh, Statins do this very well. It's one of the reasons they reduce heart attack and stroke so phenomenally, um, as well as, you know, reducing cholesterol so you don't have the ingredients to make plaque. But you allude to um, a good point here. You know, a lot of, say, red meats are are pro-inflammatory, and these things have been measured in the intestine that you, you can actually measure increased inflammation when people eat diets that are rich in this. And so that's kind of a negative about red meats. On the other hand, if you replace all you know, meats and, and animal products with, say, carbohydrates, then you get to the other problem you alluded to, which is an increase in obesity and diabetes, uh, which is also a pro-inflammatory um, problem, which contributes to vascular disease. So I'll, I'll tell you, in my experience, one of the best ways to lose weight that I see with patients is something like um, a keto diet, right? A lot of animal products and fats and very few carbohydrates. People can have really successful weight loss in that. The problem is their cholesterol surges through the roof and often that requires treatment. So, um, you know, I often say there, there's no free lunch, uh, no pun intended in this example. And, um, you know, every, every pro has a potential con and we're always trying to balance these things and there's no one uh, solution fits all for, for every, one size fits all for every patient. But um, the inflammatory piece is, is a really important piece you've alluded to. And one of the reasons some of the drugs we use like statins are so protective of 
against heart attack and stroke. Okay, we're going to come right back. We still have another caller, John, waiting to visit with you. Dr. Matthew Weiss joining us here in the studio this morning from Community Medical Center. Missoula's only certified lipidologist, and of course he is a cardiology specialist at Community Medical Center. We're coming right back after this one minute. Time out. Okay, we're back on Talkback. We have another caller that wants to visit with Dr. Weiss, so let's get John on the line. John, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Hey, doctor, I was wondering, I keep reading that statins are overprescribed. Um, I've been on statins for 20 years. Um, my cholesterol's down. And then I'm wondering why isn't there more calcium tests going on to see if you are having any blockage in your veins? Thank you. Well, thanks for the call. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Uh, Those are great questions as well. This is something I deal with a lot on a daily basis, and it's always on patients' minds. So as to statin use, are they underprescribed, overprescribed? Um, there's kind of two ways to look at this. One is on a, on a population level. You know, if everyone took a statin in the United States, we'd have less heart attack and stroke. On the other hand, some people weren't going to have heart attack and stroke in the first place, and maybe they wouldn't have benefited from that drug, and they would have taken it needlessly. So, you know... A population medicine approach is always different from an individualized approach. Um, When you meet one-on-one with your doctor, hopefully we're we're looking at the individual in front of us, right? You're the number one priority in that case, and we want to do what's right, what we think is right for you. Um, You know, probably 50 or so, 50 million Americans take a statin every day in the United States alone. Um, These are drugs that have been around for 35 years that are really well established in their ability to lower cholesterol and their ability to reduce heart attack and stroke by as much as 30 or 40 percent. Those are phenomenal numbers in cardiovascular medicine. We often do things to reduce the risk of a problem by one or two percent. So when statins first came out in the '90s and they reduced heart attack and stroke by you know greater than thirty percent, this is a, a landmark shift in in how we treat patients. So um, I don't think they're overprescribed. Um, and again, if you go back to kind of the epidemiology, heart attack is still the number one killer in the United States. Um, And too much of our treatment is reactionary after a heart attack rather than preventive. So I think, you know, you could even make the argument that perhaps more people should be on them to prevent these heart attacks before they come. Um, The second part of the question was about something else. Um, Oh, calcium, calcium. Yes, thank you. And I'm glad you brought this up too, because this is a great kind of test. I think you're alluding to something called a calcium score. A calcium score is basically a, it's a simple x-ray, so to speak, of your heart that that looks for calcified plaque, for, for buildup of plaque in your heart arteries before you have a heart attack. You know, you may not feel anything when you have mild plaque in your heart, but you still have plaque. And the ideal thing is to not have plaque. A calcium score is a simple x-ray. It's technically done on a CAT scan, but it's very low radiation, like an x-ray. There's no injection of any IV contrast agent or anything like that. So it's a very simple, quick test to look at the blood vessels in your heart and see if you already have plaque uh, before a heart attack. And I think that's a really great test that's underutilized. I use it in my practice a lot in younger folks, people maybe 40 to 55 before a heart attack. Is there something we can do to recognize that you have plaque to treat it before it progresses to the point of a a life-threatening event? So I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's an affordable test for people. It's usually around $120 to $150 at advanced imaging. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as medical tests go, that is on the cheaper side. You bet. All right. Let's talk a little bit about blood testing. How often should we do that? Now, I know you just had a a health fair uh, this past week. And so uh, uh, how often should we be doing this? And is that an expensive 
thing to do. Yeah, blood testing uh, for the standard things, you know, looking at your kidney function, your blood counts, and your cholesterol tends to be inexpensive, not expensive. Um, the average person is probably getting these or should be getting these things about once a year in their, you know, Medicare time frame age, mm-hmm. uh, so eight, older than 65. Interestingly, though, again, I, I try to see a lot of uh, younger patients to prevent cardiovascular disease. And if you go really young, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics actually suggests that every child in the United States know their blood cholesterol by age 11. And that doesn't often happen in the real world. But the earlier you pick up, again, I was alluding earlier to these genetic cholesterol disorders, mm-hmm. the earlier you recognize this and treat it, the more you can prevent heart disease even at a young age. So again, uh, every child by age 11 in the United States is supposed to know their blood cholesterol. And then, you know, if you're older than that, um, certainly in your 20s or 30s, you should know a blood cholesterol test. And depending on your family history, you know, you'd be checking it more often or your personal history. If it comes back high and you're starting treatment, then yes, we'd certainly be checking it more regularly. Okay. So I guess my, my question is, and I don't mean to be offensive in any way, but how do I avoid having to see you? <laughs> when, you know, be, because obviously you're there to help people when they have a problem. So how can I avoid this problem? Well, you know, we talk a lot about prevention, right? And an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of, how does it go? Sure. Cure. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a little bit of work up front, you know, usually has a big payoff down the road. And, um, what it's kind of like saving for retirement, right? <laughs> that, yeah, it really is. I mean, you have to invest in your future both financially and really from a health perspective. Um, and I think the earlier you start thinking about that, just like saving for retirement, the, the more successful you can be. And, and again, I, I see plenty of patients in their 40s who are, who are starting to ask these questions. Uh, sometimes new parents, you know, they say, oh, geez, I, I have a, a new kid and I, I want to be around for them. And mm-hmm. certainly that's a, a reasonable uh, rationale. But, you know, I, again, frequently could see a patient in their 40s who has questions like this and try to do something or give them either reassurance or or try to institute treatment. How do we contact you? I, obviously, you're a community medical center. So uh, give us some contact information, if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, I work, technically I work for the Billings Clinic. Uh, our office is at Community Medical Center uh, off of South Avenue here in Missoula. Uh, our phone number to schedule an appointment is 406-327-4646. And then if you wanted to fill out a health survey online about your cardiovascular health, you can go to communitymed.org slash heart and fill out a questionnaire there. Doctor, thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. All right, so Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program there, sir? Open phones from 8 to 8.30, and then uh, Dr. John Lott from the Crime Prevention Research Center. He'll be on for 90 minutes. All right, have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 with 8.